What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, scoring sweepstakes. A crazy night in the NHL with all eight teams being favored at one point to get a pivotal win. I'll break down all the moving pieces in betting the Habs and Leafs series as we saw the version that Montreal wants to see last night. Plus, where we'll hold our breath and fire tonight, including a pair of home dogs. Then it's a PGA Round 1 recap and a look ahead at the opening weekend of the NBA playoffs, sides, and series bets. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. Big Friday show ahead. Lots to get to. Uh, Exciting news here in Ontario. We are now allowed to golf starting this weekend. Cooler heads, saner heads, however you want to put it, have prevailed. Uh, Golf is now legal in Ontario, so we're fired up about that, especially with the PGA Championship going on here. You know, you're watching it, you're like, God, I would really like to go hit some balls. Not that I think uh, I could take on Kiowa Island at this point. Um, Like I said, big show. Uh, Grab a pen and paper while we talk about the first two games in the NHL last night, because we're going to get a little nerdy. We're going to get into the lab a little bit when it comes to the Montreal-Toronto series here in a second. But first, you know, we'll start with, chronologically, the first game of the night, Florida and Tampa Bay. And, I mean, what a night, by the way, last night in the NHL. Just an absolute sweepstakes across the board. Uh, At one point, every game tied. Uh, You know, listen, a lot of results that we wish had kind of gone better for us (laughs) in a couple of situations. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's hockey, right? And again, like you're sitting there and all these games are tied and you're just kind of going like, this is the thin line. I mean, you know, we beat it up here a little bit, especially, you know, in the regular season, but, you know, certainly come playoff time. This is the thin line. These games can go either way. And so we start with Florida and Tampa Bay. Uh, Florida 2.61 to 1.67 in the expected goals for. But this game is completely out of control, right? Florida takes the early lead. They, I believe they were convinced after the first period in the first intermission that they had completed their business day and had beaten the Lightning. The Lightning said no. No, you have not. And they end up taking the lead, then take a 5-3 to three lead. And so for anybody out there betting the wheel, you're coming in on Tampa Bay down 0-2. And now you've got a two-goal lead up 5-3. to three. And, like, what else do you want to do, right? Like, what, what else, again, what else could you possibly want from a bet? You know, whether you, have, you had bet Tampa, you know, the no, right? The team to score first, you know, to win, no, plus 180, plus 190, and you're sitting there with Tampa, you're loving that, uh, the down 0-2 was, I believe, plus 240, not like the juiciest price, but again, that's the difference between, you know, St. Louis going down 0-2 and Tampa Bay going down 0-2, that's the disparity between the prices, which is kind of insane when you think about it, given that they're all playing in the same league, they are all playoff teams in the same league, but if St. Louis goes down 0-2 to Colorado, it's like a 12-to-1 shot, Whereas if Tampa goes down 0-2 to Florida, it's only a plus 240. But like that was proven to be pretty correct 
in Tampa, like almost immediately coming back to take that lead. And again, taking uh, a commanding lead at five to three. And Florida finishes, like I said, with the expected goals four advantage, 10 to seven in the high danger chances. Tampa converts two out of the seven. Florida converts just one out of the 10. But Florida comes back in the end, ties the game, forces overtime, and then gets, you know, beautiful goal uh, in overtime to get that win. And so we go one and oh on our plays on our sort of podcast plays if you will backing florida uh at a plus money price and so you know that's kind of a fun start meanwhile all while that's all happening pittsburgh and the islanders is going off as well and pittsburgh takes a three to one lead not an o2 lead so that was you know avoided um they get there with the plus one and a half but you know we thought we had a shot there with the islanders as they come back and tie it at three tie it at four and they were you know again the better team at even strength 2.46 expected goals for at even strength for the islanders 1.81 for pittsburgh 12 to 10 in favor of the islanders in the high danger chances at even strength both teams convert two of those high danger chances so again a little bit above average that's how you end up with an over right there uh but fundamentally this game comes down to varlamov not playing well. And again, we saw the glimpse of the bad goal in game two. Remember, he missed game one where the Islanders won. And then he played pretty well right in the back half of that game, keeping the Islanders in that game too, but comes out in this one and is just frankly not very good. And, you know, when we talk, okay, Pittsburgh, two out of 10 high danger chances they score, you know, not a great ratio, right? We always talk one out of every eight should go in. So, you know, a little bit below average from that standpoint. When you math it all up here, there's two other uh, five-on-five goals for the Penguins that were on Varlamov as far as just not being very good goals. The one I liked even, you know, kind of the least in all of it was the Jeff Carter power play goal where, you know, he's square up to him, not much in the way of an angle. Give Carter credit for, you know, he had two goals last night, both were sort of, you know, off the post or, or very in, just inside the post and in. But, like, you can't get beat on the short side from that angle, from that range. Like, it's just not acceptable. So I would like to see Varlamov out for game four. We'll see what happens there. Uh, the adjusted series price now for the Islanders plus 250. So you see how far this can swing where we're on Islanders plus 130. They win the first game. That gets adjusted. Now they're a favorite. They split the series, so it goes back to plus 110. And now we're sitting here looking at the Islanders plus 250 as big underdogs. I'll take a little bit of that. I'll take a little bit to add on to my price. Uh, again, I you know again I think we're getting the better team. Again, goaltending could help here you know at some point like feel free to mix in a save Semyon Varlamov all right as for Montreal and Toronto right the big game of the day not necessarily just for you know Canadian uh, hockey fans if you will you know but I think anytime you start a series especially when all these other series are kind of mid uh, you know mid form here these are kind of uh, really exciting to see new teams on the ice. But again, the atmosphere, nothing there, obviously, because there's nobody in the crowd, and it's totally brutal. And so here we go. So yesterday we talked about how to bet this series, how to bet this game. And so first and foremost, got a bit of a confession to make. I ended up betting a little on the Montreal money line last night. I found there was a rogue plus 190 out there, and I'll sort of explain my thinking here in a second but i went in and got on some of that plus 190 action for montreal but again fundamentally the point of yesterday's um spiel if you will was 
we don't know what the price should be for this series, right? We all just sort of, you know, uh, scream into the vortex that, you know, Toronto's going to win. I see people who are clueless about betting on hockey or even just hockey in general talking about, oh, it's going to be a sweep or five games. And listen, maybe it still ends up being five games, right? But, you know, I think we saw last night that this is going to be a competitive series. And so we talked about the idea of the type, right? And, you know, I guess we probably should, before we get into it, sort of obviously mention the elephant in the room, the John Tavares injury. That was brutal, right? I think we can all agree Corey Perry didn't mean to do that. I didn't hate the fight necessarily, if for no other reason. Listen, we see two guys fight all the time just because the game is maybe dragging. And, you know, we've got to do the, hey, let's fight to get some energy in the building. There's no energy in the building. I don't know if there would have been energy in the building, even if there were people, right? It would have been deathly quiet in there, uh, you know, anyway. And so, you know, I didn't hate the fight from that standpoint. If the standpoint is like, hey, you know, like, I think you did it on purpose, like, that's kind of dumb. But, you know, again, if it's just, okay, we got to get out of, you know, this out of our system type of thing, you don't hate it from that standpoint. Anyway, now that that's out of the way, right, like, that's a hockey, sports talk, whatever you want to call it type you know, thing here, what we do here is we bet on these games. And so again, fundamentally, we talked about yesterday about Toronto having a type. And if Montreal could emulate that type, if they could play like the Boston Bruins, if they could play like the Columbus Blue Jackets of that style defensive first, then, you know, we have to think of Toronto as vulnerable here, right? It would be then a bad matchup for them. And, you know, just because from a branding standpoint, we don't see the Montreal Canadiens as the Boston Bruins and less so even Columbus, the Columbus Blue Jackets, you know, it doesn't mean that they, they're incapable of playing that way. And so they sit out some of their smaller, faster, younger guys. And, you know, again, we talked about that was the clue, right? That was the clue where they look at it and they go, yeah, we need to play this version. And if they are a really good hockey team, which, you know, it's funny, you sort of follow online and people are saying like, you know, this, you know, how could they lose to Montreal? Like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, who decided that Montreal was bad? Like, if you're judging it based on since basically April 1st, or, you know, I think we decided it was April 6th based on the Gallagher injury, if you're deciding that Montreal is bad just based on six weeks, like, you're not doing this very well, right? Like, it, that doesn't make literally any sense whatsoever. Or, you know, it's just very overreactive, which, you know, is not something we want to do as sports bettors, right? And, like, that's the, that's the whole kind of purpose of getting better at this. It's getting better at doing the math. It's getting better at understanding values, but it's also getting better at not like just drinking what everybody's saying. And it's getting better at not just judging teams by what happened the last time they played, right? That's why we use the analytics to kind of figure out, okay, well, what's really happened here? And so, you know, you can combine that with the easy stuff, which is, you know, different guys that were injured and the schedule stuff that piled up and all of that. But if you're just going to ignore that and you're going to assume that Montreal stinks, that ain't it, man. That just ain't it. So, you know, we go in and we go, okay, if they're going to, they're going to try to play this way, then they're going to give themselves an opportunity to, to win if they can execute that way. And so when we look at the metrics here, Toronto 1.24 to Montreal 1.04 in the expected goals for Montreal had six to Toronto's five high danger chances and both teams converted one. And so you know, kind of a strangely a high, you know, percentage of conversions, right? Given again, we're looking for one out of eight, they get it done on one out of five and one out of six. But, you know, sitting here going, okay, these numbers are really, really low, right? 11 high danger chances, um, 2.28 in the uh, in the expected goals for like from a total standpoint. And like we see some of these others, right? Like Pittsburgh and New York, right? They combine for four plus, 
Um, you know, even Florida and Tampa combines for four plus. And like these two teams barely cracked two. And of course you're saying, well, yeah, yeah, it was a two to one game. Like, of course it went under, but like we've seen these situations where expected goals for are really, really low, but the score still ends up high or the expected goals for is high, but the score ends up being low because, you know, the goaltenders get involved and all of that sort of thing. But in this case, like the point is, is that it, the score really mirrored the game situation and what actually the output was, which means that Montreal executed their game plan and played the way they wanted this game to go better than Toronto did, because I think we can all agree, Toronto would love to run and gun it with Montreal. But if they can't do that, if Montreal's capable of being defensively responsible and slowing this series and these games down, then it's going to become closer to a coin flip. And again, it's not about who's better, because again, Toronto is the better team. Even at Montreal's kind of best rating, you know, they're still at the very best. They are about even just from a rating standpoint. But Montreal wasn't able to keep that rating consistent, which again is why they are not better than Toronto, and Toronto is the better team. And you can make a case, certainly by the just expected goals, you know, metric, that, you know, they were the better team last night. And if they score on a power play and, you know, Montreal doesn't get that incredible goal by Paul Byron, you know, we're having a completely different conversation here potentially, right? Like that was literally the difference in the game and Toronto could have easily scored either before that or instead of that, um, you know, to take the 2-1 game. But again, the point is, is everything's based on a price. And so whether it's the number getting up to plus 190 for the game or the series price being up in the plus 280s or the division price being 7-1 to one for a team that is capable of winning games here. And again, maybe people don't necessarily think that and that's what the market, you know, was sort of following. And that's fine by us because that's where we come in and we'll be able to take advantage of that. But again, it, we could have taken advantage of it and still lost the game. You see what I mean? Like, it, again, it, all it would have taken was one power play goal from Toronto for all of these metrics to be the exact same, right? The high danger chance is still low. The expected goals for are still low. All of those would have been the same if Toronto had scored on that power play on our earlier power play, right? And again, so how do we predict who's going to score what on a power play? We can't. Right, that's the hardest thing to predict going on. So now we look forward and we go, okay, a couple of different things, right? Series and certainly I think the most interesting thing is what's going to be the new line for game two? Because this could, and we've compared this series in a weird way to the Boston-Washington series in a reverse way because we didn't know what Boston's rating should be because should it be what it was, you know, at the end of the season with Taylor Hall? Should it be their entire season rating or should, should it be there somewhere in between? And of course with Montreal, it's different because their end of their season was the opposite of the Taylor Hall Boston Bruins where they were bad and so you know you watch that first game in Boston and Washington it's like okay it was a pretty evenly played game we kind of talked about how that might have been a C plus type effort for Boston whereas that might be the best it gets for Washington and since then you know the high danger chances and the even strength stuff has favored Boston quite a bit and so maybe that ends up being the case here with Toronto but for this first game, and this is where the pen and paper is sort of needed here to kind of follow along with the line of thinking. But in the first game, my number was 146. And that, you know, there's a bunch of different numbers that this could be, right, because of the circumstances. And so, you know, if the number is just what Montreal is at the end of the season, right, we talked about that. And like that number for the series price was 319. You may have heard me talk about that, right? So minus 319 plus 319. That's the version of Montreal at the end of the season. But we know 
that Montreal wasn't isn't going to be that bad because of the guys that they're getting back, because of the rest element. You know, we'd like to think Carey Price is going to play better in the playoffs, like big game, whatever, Carey Price. That ended up looking pretty good, I would say, yesterday, wouldn't it? So again, we go, okay, the very, very worst number possible here is 319. Of course, the series price was minus 320 for Toronto. And then, like we said, plus 280 for Montreal. So we're like, okay, that number is way too high. And even if that number is the right number, by the way, it's still kind of close to a fair number. Now, obviously, we would have liked plus 320 with Montreal, but that just wasn't going to happen. So then we go, okay, well, what's the most likely number? Right? And so then we take uh, the full season, and that's taking the good of Montreal, that's taking the bad of Montreal, it's throwing it all into the stew, you know, splashing it around. We got a big ladle going, we're mixing it all up. And that number was 236. So again, minus 236 for Toronto and plus 236 for Montreal. And so you're going, well, plus 236 for Montreal, plus 280, certainly a lot better than that number, and of course, vice versa. Toronto's way, number is way worse. And so that's the full season number, right? That's sort of the average of everything that goes down. Well, what if they can retreat, if you will, and get back to where they were at the start of the season? Well, obviously, it's something lower than that, right? And it's something that works its way close to pick them in the same way that Washington and Boston and their numbers over the course of the entire season is very pick like right? But again, there's a pretty significant addition or two or three when it comes to the Bruins that has made that number different. In the case of Montreal here, they're getting the same, you know, guys, right? Like they're getting a defenseman back in Shea Weber. Now he didn't miss as much time. They're getting their goaltender back and maybe a different version, maybe the playoff version of Carey Price. Maybe he's just not into it that much in the regular season or he can just step it up for small, shorter periods of time. And it maybe turns into next or last season where, you know, he's amazing against Pittsburgh, and then stuff ends up bouncing off his back against Philadelphia, and they end up somehow losing that series, even though I think they were the better team, and the metrics bear that out. So the point is, is the series number on average is minus 236, so we have to make that bet at, you know, plus 280. And now we see that, like, okay, maybe we are creeping closer to Pickham here. Right? Maybe we are creeping closer to the first couple months of the season where Montreal's metrics were really good. And so if you were going to make a number for them, it would be considerably lower than that. So as far as the game is concerned, my number was 146. So again, minus 146 for Toronto and plus 146 for Montreal. Now, if the price first of all the price is never correct for toronto right we would like literally never bet game one uh toronto you know at the insane prices that that existed out there that were like well above minus 200 i think you know the best number i thought uh i saw was minus 214 that was just never going to be the situation but at plus 170 which was sort of more widely available for montreal that didn't provide the uh percentage edge that we would want from a game, right? We talk all season long about 3%, 6%, 9% edges, etc. And so plus 170 for a game that we had lined at plus 146, which again, still makes Toronto the favorite, still has them expected to win more often than not. But at plus 170, it just wasn't within the range uh, that we were willing to 
make a bet, right? Because, you know, one, plus 146 would have been fair. You know, as we get up to plus 170, we're still inside of like a 3% edge. But again, once it goes to plus 190, now we're outside of that threshold and it sort of becomes an automatic type bet. Think of it this way. We talked about the predators once that line moved from game one to game two. And once it moved, you know, game one, there was no value, but game two, it moved up just outside the 3% threshold where we thought ourselves, maybe we should bet on the Predators. Again, they lost that game, but I still think that would have been a good bet if we had done it. So same sort of deal here. Only in this case, I made the judgment call, if you will, to bet a little on the Canadians at that plus 190 price because again we were already committed to the series price we were already committed to the division price which is not the situation that we had for Nashville so this game happens it goes the way it does right the metrics are pretty even now we get to the second game and we go okay what is the situation there is the price the same is it still minus 146 plus 146 and I think you'll be surprised to find out that my answer is no because the way that I do it, and you can disagree with this all you like, but like, let's put it this way. First game, seven days off for both teams, empty arena. I don't have anything for home ice advantage in that first game. Like, I don't care that it's in Toronto. Montreal could have flown to Toronto three days in advance. You know, like, it's not like it's a huge travel situation. It's not like they're flying from one city, you know, road city to the next. Like, all of the stuff that we kind of build in with regards to home road splits in the regular season doesn't apply, right? There's not, there's no fans, nothing, you know, there's literally nothing going on other than instead of a red background, it's a blue background. And they play the incredibly annoying music after Maple Leaf goals and not Canadians goals. So... I don't put anything into that. However, now that we've played a game and now that Toronto has lost that first game, I do put a little bit of home ice in it and I put a little bit of loser of the last, right? Because again, this is the NHL. The desperation levels matter, right? This isn't even the same as football where desperation can get you into more trouble than it can in the NHL, right? Like you can overcover, you can be over aggressive, you can false start, you can go off sides, you can do a bunch of different stuff when you're over aggressive in the NFL because you're starting from a stop, you know, a standstill essentially. Whereas in the NHL, the puck drops and there you go, right? And yes, in theory, you could miss a check or something like that, but it's not as, um, you know, under the same microscope essentially, each individual play on, you know, all over the ice. And so, you know, I put a little bit in. I put like a 5% edge into it or a 5% addition into the probability of Toronto winning the next game because they lost that first game, because they are at home and their hat, there was a game the last two days, you know, all of that sort of thing. So it's not as drastic as, you know, a team that has fans, a team that, you know, has maybe traveled and then, you know, during the regular season type of situation, whatever. So the point is, is this second game here, I actually, my number is now 190. So my number actually goes up. Now, that doesn't factor in the Tavares situation. So at that point, you then have to go, and this is, again, just a lot of people guessing, right? Because we're taking one player who plays, you know, 17, 18 minutes, something along those lines, I think, in the game. And you're going, okay, like, what is his true value relative to their win probability? And like, I think if you said like 10%, I think you're probably way overvaluing somebody uh, that, it, you know, literally anybody other than essentially Austin Matthews and maybe to a lesser extent, Mitch Marner. I think the answer is probably closer to two 
3% win probability change. And again, you know, maybe they lose the game and we just all use the, you know, excuse here that, you know, Toronto's a much different team without Tavares or, you know, whatever people sort of want to say here. But the point is, I, you know, I just don't think that there is going to be that much of a change. And so, you know, for me here, I think this number makes more sense in game two than it ever did in game one. Now, we don't know what the line is. I haven't seen that yet. Maybe it opens by the time you listen to this podcast and you're sitting there going like, oh, oh, boop, boop, right? So, you know, I would expect it. I certainly don't think we're ever going to see the plus 190 again. I think that was an outlier situation, both in the marketplace with the sports book and in, you know, sort of real life or, 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 or the sports books in general, right? I don't think we're going up that high. But I think we'll probably see a minus 200 plus 170 split again. And again, even if it's plus 165, even, you know, and minus 200, minus 195, minus 190 for Toronto, you know, again, that's going to be closer to fair price for Toronto than it is going to be fair price for Montreal. And I think even if this happened to like, there was some massive over adjustment and they took my number, not that they actually know my number, but like they took my number from the game, from, from the first game and they made Toronto minus 146 or minus 150 or something along those lines. Honestly, I would bet Toronto in the second game. Like that's just sort of how I feel about it from a numbers standpoint. And, you know, even if Toronto then won and it was a 1-1 split, I think we're completely content with that given the fact that we have plus 280 on a series price and 7-1 to to win the division, right? All of that stuff is okay. So series price standpoint, um, you know, talked about the different numbers that it could possibly be and that even at its absolute worst it wasn't really that bad at plus 280 and it just looks right now that plus 280 is a really good number now of course plus 280 is a really good number when you look at the marketplace because the marketplace has adjusted because montreal won that first game and it would have been interesting to see again if toronto had scored that you know like we say a power play goal there how does the number adjust from a series price? Does it go to like plus 400? Does it go higher than that just because Toronto has a one, um, you know, one game lead? We'll never know. But the new number here is plus 125 is the best number that I've seen here for the Montreal series price. And you go, okay, well, is it time to get in on this price? Well, this is a complicated one. So first and foremost, I have a sort of subset model where I can just put in my series price at the start of the series and it cranks out a number that it should be if the favorite wins the first game or if the underdog wins the first game. So I t my series number, you know, is 146, right? As mentioned, that would be my neutral site game one, you know, and again, I think this, you know, Toronto home ice game one situation was as close to a neutral site as we're going to get especially since these teams played last year in the playoffs all in the same building it's not like montreal's you know remotely confused about their <laughs> about their surroundings they know where all the doors lead um so again my number is minus 146 so i pump that in and it cranks out 109 and that 109 means that Toronto should be a minus 109 favorite to win the series and that montreal should be a plus 109 favorite uh, or underdog, I should say, to win the series. And so if they should be plus 109 and they are plus 125, that is a better number than plus 109. It's certainly not a 3% or like drastic edge by any means, right? Because we're sort of talking about really just kind of like a one and change percent edge. So, okay, you go, all right, should I hop in and grab some more Montreal? Again, do you want a 1% edge on your bet? Then yes, right? That's certainly better than a negative edge right a negative win probability relative to the price 
So, you know, the answer is that's kind of up to you, but we've already done our work when it comes to that series price. We got plus 280, and even if Toronto wins, I don't think we're gonna see plus 280. They need to win probably two more games in a row here for this number to change or get worse than it was before the series started. And even if it does, that would be interesting too, because you go, all right, well, you know, you go into a game four and Toronto has a 2-1 series lead. They have home ice advantage. You know, at that point, a bunch of stuff has happened, but kind of nothing has happened in that Toronto got two wins and had two home games and Montreal had one home game and got one win, right? Like it doesn't, that shouldn't change all that much. So again, it would be interesting to see if Toronto wins these next two games, what actually happens here. So fundamentally, I'm looking to see what the game price here is for game two and whether it's worth taking a stab with the Leafs. Because again, if they lose, okay, that's fine. We're we're in a really great spot for our plus 280 and our plus 700 to win the division. So a lot of different like math stuff and adjustments and all of that kind of thing. But hopefully that sort of, you know, makes sense to you in the idea of there being three numbers before this series started, right? There was the Montreal bad, the Montreal average, and the best version of Montreal. And the line for this series was very much based on the Montreal bad, whereas we were able to sort of figure out, okay, game plan, goaltender, health and rest, right? That was the three sort of pillars of why the price might be wrong on Montreal. As for the last game of the night last night, this one was rough. Vegas and Minnesota. Vegas 1.62 expected goals for to Minnesota's 1.27. 7.7 on the high danger chances at even strength and 2.2 in the conversions. But fundamentally, this was a script game, right? This was Minnesota gets up to the two nothing lead. They have three. They're three to one in the high danger chances in the first period. They score on two of those three high danger chances. They get a third goal, and I swear to God, I am one and a billion on these uh, offside ruling type goals. Was he offside? Yes. Is it incredibly stupid that we review offside plays? Yes, we do, and it's fundamental in the rule book like what's the purpose of the rule okay well the purpose of the rule is you know you, you, we put blue lines so guys aren't just standing in the offensive zone waiting for somebody to just pass them the puck and you know and thus be offside right like th that would be insane if you could just have you can just have a guy you know we call it cherry picking you know back by the net back by the you know circles whatever and because of that rule then it gets sort of granulated down into okay was this guy's you know okay was this guy in first by a step was this guy in whatever blah 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 and like we had linesmen in there because the whole point was okay if it's not blatant if it you know if it's not caught by the human eye then it's okay because a ton of other stuff has to happen for someone to score unless he's literally standing in the zone before a pass is coming to him right and again if it's a foot off or whatever that's fine like a breakaway situation but these plays where it's like well 10 minutes ago the guy went in the zone like a millisecond when he didn't even have the puck like it's so so stupid that we review it and again if a referee or excuse me a linesman is standing there and he wants to call it and he goes that was blatant like you guys got to tighten it up that's fine. But like the idea that the NHL wants, the NHL has designed this, you know, rule or sort of element to the rule where they want the play to continue 
a goal to be scored, then a coach has to challenge. They have to, you know, put resources towards somebody watching for this type of stuff. The coach has to challenge risk going on the penalty kill because if he doesn't get the challenge right, they get a penalty for it, which is like sort of the one sensical thing in this whole thing. Like they, they want that to go down. They want that review to happen and they want that goal to be called back. Like that's so stupid. It's so stupid. And so, you know, you're sitting there and you're going like, yeah, it was offside. And it's like, yes, it was offside. But a lot of stuff is stuff that doesn't get called, right? There's a ton of penalties that happen that don't get called. And, you know, that's less likely to, or maybe that's less likely to result in a goal. I don't know, right? Like, I don't know. I watch the game and I see sort of just eye test. I go, that's offside. That, you know, if there's a goal here, that's going to get called back. And that'll happen 10 times before an actual goal happens. And then, of course, gets called back. And so, I don't know. The point is, is like, it's just so stupid to take a rule that is fundamental and needs to be in there. Like, offside needs to be a rule. But to, like, need to figure out so tightly whether or not someone's skate is slightly in. You know, again, they slow it down. They screenshot it, all of that stuff. But it's like, it's 0.001 of a second here. And it's one stick handle. It's this, that, whatever. Completely annoying. Anyway, a lot of that is sour grapes because, of course, we were on Minnesota yesterday. To make matters worse, okay, so first thing, first things first, at least for the wheel folks out there, Vegas wins. Congratulations to you guys. Finally got one to go your way as far as the O2 is concerned. They were plus 350 or so. Um, if you just blindly bet the four previous O2s, you are now sort of just a half wheel unit down in that category. Um, Vegas also gets there, of course, as the team to score first uh, no bet, right, at plus 190. The really irritating thing, though, Montre uh, Montreal, Minnesota, plus one and a half, doesn't end up getting there which is craziness because obviously, you know, we feel like we have a three nothing lead there in the first period and somehow that gets all kicked away uh, at the end. Of course, empty net goals and non-empty net goals in the end are just jamming us up left, right and center. Uh, if it wasn't for these late game situations, uh, you know, the wheel would be absolutely crushing it um, so far. As for tonight's games, let's get into this because we still got PGA and NBA stuff that we need to talk about here. Won't go too crazy when it comes to these games tonight as far as descriptions. Some of it's pretty basic stuff here. Washington and Boston starting out wrote this for the Action Network preview. Uh, I, you know, it's going back to the Montreal-Toronto series. That might have been my best work for on a couple of different levels for the Action Network. This one, I don't want to say I phoned it in necessarily, but like there's only so much you can say about this series at this point, right? Like there's a couple of points. One, Three overtime games, that's crazy. Two, Boston has been the much better team, and these games probably didn't deserve necessarily to go to overtime. And so you go, okay, well, how are we going to play it tonight? The Boston big win is, you know, whether it's sort of a metric prediction or what, like, or maybe it's more of a metric prediction than a sort of eye test prediction, given that, like, these games have gone to overtime, and it's easy to say, like, super evenly matched series, like, bet the overtime. Maybe, maybe it does, and that would be wild. I talked about how like all these games are individual results, right? In the same way, at a roulette table, if you go and you see, oh man, like 10 straight reds, while well, we better bet on black, it might just be another black. Same exact odds, you know, 48 whatever percent chance of it being uh, another black. So for this game, okay, overtime could very well happen. 
But from a metric standpoint, if they're going along here at 60% of the high danger chances of the expected goals for, we have a lot more trust as maybe as shaky as he's looked into Karask than we do in whomever Washington's rolling out there. Because again, remember, before the series started, before we knew that we'd ever see Craig Anderson, we looked at both Vanacek and Samsonov and said, these guys are both minus goals saved above average goaltenders. Like, it's not like there's a good option for the Washington Capitals. And so, okay, nothing changing there necessarily. And so I think this is one where Boston in regulation at even money and even Boston minus one and a half at plus 160. I think those are decent bets relative to their value, right? Minus one and a half, is that going to win more often than not? No, but I think it's going to win more than plus 160 indicates for this specific game. And again, I know that goes obviously against the wheel and the general concept of just kind of bet all of the plus one and a halves, but I'm just working off of the numbers here, right? And these are two different things. The wheel is a system that if you're not looking to bet anything else, you're only looking to bet, you know, every single game for a small amount of money and you don't really care who wins, but you're trying to get, you know, suck some good value out of these games. I think that's the way to do it. And, you know, again, whether or not the results have come through, obviously we've had a ton of really good value. Obviously the new poster child for that was Tampa Bay down 0-2 plus 240 being up two goals yesterday. But again, you know, obviously there's a different thing between my actual handicapping of these games using the metrics and doing all of that sort of stuff. So that's the difference when it comes to uh, this one. Obviously I'd also like Boston to take the three to one lead to give them two chances to clean this thing up in, uh, in essentially minus one and a half uh, in six games or less. Uh, Winnipeg and Edmonton. Um, you know, talked about this, right? Winnipeg doing Winnipeg things. Edmonton, a couple of different things here. One, I like the I like the Oilers tonight, but what do we do? Minus 170, too high. Connor McDavid, minus 125 to get over one and a half points here. That's the way that we play the Oilers from a game-to-game standpoint. I am coming over the top on the Edmonton series price at plus 105. Going to throw two units on top of the half unit for one unit that we would be getting if we were you know, on the Jets because of that price earlier. So again, if you'd bet the Jets, plus 210. Um, you know, even if at plus 175, like you can still come over the top if you want to, depending on, again, what your belief is. And if you're looking at this the way I do and go, okay, Edmonton was the much better team. They just didn't work out for them in game one. And you like them in the series price uh, or in the series, you know, again, you can come over the top on a plus 175 in the same type of a way that you can if it was plus 210, just not the same level of value. Uh, Carolina and Nashville and Colorado and St. Louis. The venue shifts, the prices change. These are the games that if these teams get a win in this series, these are the games that they get. And Nashville plus 130 is certainly a bet for me tonight. That one is easy bet to make. Maybe it's going to be a harder bet to win. Colorado and St. Louis, certainly a much more difficult bet to make, but at plus 200 for a St. Louis team coming home, you need know, to talk the pride thing. But fundamentally, we talked about it you know, yesterday with regards to the previous game. They played a pretty good game. Expected goals for all of that sort of thing in their favor. So not insane to think that they could get one of these games. And again, I think game three is the one that these types of teams, these big underdogs often get. So again, St. Louis plus 200, Nashville plus 130, Boston even money in regulation with some sprinkling on the minus one and a half on that one. McDavid over one and a half points and jump the series price when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers. Um, what was the other ones? Oh, also Minnesota plus 325 is the new adjusted series price. Again, crazy how that works, right? They win the first game. They go down to essentially pick them. 
They lose the next two despite one having a lead early on in game three and being the better team in game two. And now all of a sudden you're getting them at plus 325, which again, listen, spoiler alert, tomorrow we're going to be on Minnesota. We're going to be on the Islanders. It's going to be around the same price, around pick them. You know, going to need them to win, right? We were hoping to get at least one of those two. A couple of different spots look like we were going to get at least one of those two, if not both of them, or at least contend for both of them yesterday. Um, so that's the sort of play as far as the Saturday games are concerned. Uh, Florida and Tampa Bay, I should mention on Saturday, I probably will not have a play in that one. That one's going to be, I think, a really interesting game. Can Florida sort of uh, obviously tie the series? That one's probably a sit it out for me situation because I think the number, you know, you saw it adjust from plus 130 down to plus 110 yesterday for Florida. And as much as, again, for the third straight game, they were the better team five on five, you know. Uh, obviously being down five to three and some goaltender shakiness. Are we going to see the kid? What's his name? Spencer Knight, something along those lines. Um, are we, are we, are we going to get into him here for game four? Who knows? Uh, so anyway, that's the situation as for Saturday, obviously follow along on Twitter for Sunday games. There'll be some action network previews and all of that sort of things as well. Quick notes on the PGA Championship. Uh, our boy, Victor Hovland, at one point, so, you know, the favorite, actually, you know, kind of depending on when you're listening to this, obviously, but as of this recording, he has become the favorite because this thing is an absolute sweepstakes. Uh, Corey Connors jams us up yesterday. If you follow along on Twitter, I had Hovland plus 1,400 through the round. Thought he could get one more birdie. He missed a couple of very makeable birdie putts towards the end there and finished at minus three with a group if he had been to minus four and honestly kind of a good thing that he was at minus uh, that he didn't get to minus four because I would be infuriated that Corey Connors somehow when everybody else can't do anything especially in that afternoon wave right like I handicapped it pretty well as far as like there's not going to be a ton out there in the afternoon wave and then he goes and he makes this crazy you know crazy outlier performance but you know if you were with us for the Masters a month ago right remember the Justin Rose and we weren't buying into that either, but it's so infuriating that like 170 guys are playing, you know, maybe 100 of them are decent because um, obviously there's some sketchy, you know, PGA pros in there and just guys who, you know, Rich Beam is involved, um, you know, but of the guys who could potentially play really well in one round, like there's kind of a lot of them and there's always going to be one guy who just kind of goes off and in one round, you know, unless you're getting like, you know, I'm going to say 100 to 1, but that's obviously being a bit of an, you know, a bit of an exaggeration, but unless you're getting better than 50 to 1 for a first round leader, like you're just leaving yourself vulnerable to a lot of guys who can come up and really mess with you. And so, um, you know, we're sitting here in the morning and Brendan Grace now has the lead. And like, I don't expect that to continue. The flags are starched at this point and guys are just falling off. And Corey Connors mega meltdown, which again, you know, like what was the difference between yesterday afternoon and this morning where he like, he's probably gonna shoot like five over when he shot five under yesterday. So, you know, again, who knows? So, you know, with the first round leader, it's just darts at that point. You try to read what's going on out on the course, but there's always one guy who's going to end up being this outlier performer, um, but kind of fun that at least, you know, again, who knows? He might come out and stink it up here, Victor Hovland, at, you know, this afternoon. But nice to at least have our guy that, you know, I think I said if I, if I had my life depended on it, I had one bet to make relative to the odds. I think it would be Victor, um, you know, obviously an a massive exaggeration here. But uh, hopefully we see a lot of big numbers in the morning and then maybe Victor can get it around, uh, around par and, uh, and see where minus three is at the end of the day here. Because at least when you're looking at it from a morning standpoint, you're going, 
man, staying at minus three would look pretty good. A um, couple other guys here, our guy Sam Horsfield. Again, it just kind of grazed past him, but we talked about three guys to look for who were 10 to 1 to finish in the top 20. Our guy Horsfield, like lingering, um, certainly had a good first round, um, getting a little jammed up here in the second. Um, Ricky Fowler at minus one. Again, who knows how long that's going to last. Listen, any one of these guys is capable of shooting an 80 here on these conditions. This is getting ugly here quick. Um, some ups and downs, right? We've got, you know, obviously the Horsefield one was an up. Some of the downs here, we talked about it, like K.H. Lee, right? Look, could do no wrong four days ago. Changes course, changes setup, make, you know, more difficult course. You'd think, well, he's still dialed in, blah, blah, blah. Way at the bottom. Daniel Berger, everybody's sort of second tier favorite, right? Just piling in on it. You know, I make these, you know, I handicap all this stuff through Tuesday. We record Wednesday morning. I take in a bunch of content after Wednesday. And all I hear is everybody loves Daniel Berger. And I immediately roll my eyes and go, well, I guess Daniel Berger's got no chance to win. And not only that, but he blasts himself off of the planet in, uh, in the first round and just goes to show nobody knows anything. And, you know, we're not supposed to. Golf's like, just look at this. Like, this, golf's insane. It's insane that we bet on this stuff. Um, from a miscut standpoint, DJ Sergio, guys who struggled in the first round, who we are hoping continue to struggle. Patrick Cantlay is just band-aiding it around. He had two eagles in the front nine, and I don't think he was under par in the front nine. He certainly wasn't under par for the tournament. And when you have two eagles, like, you should probably be under par, right? If I have two eagles, I should probably be under par. And I'm not even good at golf. Um... That was kind of crazy. Bubba should be an interesting character to watch here as this win kicks up in the uh, in the late second round. Um, guys to watch, right? You, you know, a lot of these guys in the afternoon tea times. Colin Morikawa, Brooks Kepka, just looking like lethal weapons. Uh, you know, at and around the leaderboard. Um, Spieth and Bryson came into this round here at twenty-two to one. So again, just goes to show takes one round of just kind of meh golf, not even that far back for you to get a better number on some of these higher, uh, you know, bigger named guys. John Rom menacing at this point, but even still, right? He doesn't start particularly well. His number doesn't really change. He's still at around 10, 12 to one going into this second round with a you know chunk of of golf left to be played he's just thrown one into the water here um, and looks to be falling back to at least minus two maybe even minus one um so again not necessarily a ton of stuff that's actionable here i really like the playoff plus 400 bet at this point i think that looks like it's pretty solid given how you know i don't know that anybody's going to be able to you know get away Again, we see in one round anybody can kind of shoot a nice round, but I don't know if that's going to be something that they can that that individual, whomever that ends up being, is going to be able to keep up over the course of four rounds. As for the NBA here, um, Indiana Washington didn't play it yesterday. If I absolutely a gunpoint would have, it would have been Indy plus three and a half, but I didn't, and here's why. And this might be sort of you know a fundamentally like decent tip, I guess is the word I'm looking for. But the reason I didn't do it was because Indy looks good-ish, I guess, against the atrocious Hornets, but they do so at home. Washington looks bad, but they do so on the road. And these teams switch, right? Um, it's not like Washington's at home and now they stay home. No, Washington goes from road to home, and the Pacers go from home to road. And, like, 
from a perception standpoint, right? Like that's going to change the way that you look at these teams or it should change the way that you look at these teams or it should sort of temper the way that you look at these teams given that one team played a road game and one team played a home game. And in the case of the Washington Wizards, again, it's more of a hockey thing here, but like how desperate were you to win that game against Boston, right? Like, you know, 100%, 90%, 98%, like this stuff matters, especially if one team kind of cares more than you do. And like, you know, Washington just doesn't seem like a team that often cares all that much. Um, So tonight, what does that mean, you know, for tonight? Golden State looked for all the world like they were going to beat the Lakers the other night on the road. Now they come home. Memphis, you know, takes a big lead against San Antonio, but can't hang on to it, eventually winning anyway and just barely, barely covering the early number, pushing on the more popular number of minus four. Now they go on the road to Golden State. Like, I can't help but like Golden State in this situation at minus four and a half. So I'm going to play that. That being said, I'm interested in sort of looking up Steph Curry prices in his props. Is Steph Curry Connor McDavid, right? Are we betting on the Golden State Warriors here or are we betting on Steph Curry? So, like, does he need to go off? Does he need to have a 30-plus whatever point game, right? Like, I imagine his point number is something along the lines of, like, a minus, you know, I shouldn't say minus, a 32 and a half, something like that. Let's see if we can find this really, really quickly, filibustering here a little bit. Because, again, if they're going to score, you know, a win here, like, he's going to need to just pile up points at an alarming rate. Here we go. We've got the player points total fascinating radio 38 and a half holy smokes okay so yeah does (laughs) that's a really good question though does golden state win this game if he scores less than 38 like yeah they could right like they still probably could this isn't the same thing as mcdavid after all glad we went through that exercise even if it was a relatively painful 30 seconds for you um as for saturday's games and sunday's games here um couple of things here. Well, we got Milwaukee and we got the Clippers here to start. Milwaukee minus four and a half. I think that's low. Taking Milwaukee. Clippers minus five. I think that's low. We're going to take the Clippers. We know what we're going to do. We're going to take a series price on Milwaukee and the Clippers. We're going to parlay it together. We're going to call it the Sheldon Alexander parlay. We're going to talk to him about it on Monday. Who knows if he's listening to this? Maybe it'll be a surprise to him that he's got a parlay named after him. Whether it succeeds or not, well, that's entirely on him um so milwaukee and the clippers series parlay there i think it pays about minus 135 um for two big favorites to win their series i'm gonna try boston plus seven and a half against these nets uh there's coaching advantage um you know again sucks that jalen brown's not around we talked at length with sheldon alexander about that uh last what, tuesday for the preview um, that's an underdog that i think could hang in there against the nets in game one even if i don't think that there's you know a slight chance, I guess, that they win, but certainly not worth it on the money line. You already know where I'm at with Portland. That being said, you know, listen, you see a team, they're on the road. You know, it's a series that, like, you think they can win. No Jamal Murray for Denver. But, like, everybody knows that. And so, full disclosure, like, I bet that Portland at plus 105 when it first opened for the series price. And now it's at like minus 135. Now, again, like we talked about this on Tuesday, that price was available on Tuesday. Hopefully you grabbed it. But at minus 135, like I'm not going to play that. Like that's that's way too far. Like, again, when we taped the podcast, we didn't even know what the series prices were. So, again, anything at plus I was looking to take. But now we were talking about like laying money for a road team here. 
you know, not really all that interested in doing that. They are one-point underdogs here, so you could grab Portland plus one in game one in this one. Um, that's certainly obviously where I would lean. But again, I completely admit full bias in favor of Dame Lillard. Um, so, you know, take that for what it is. Other interesting game, next two of them I think are actually really interesting, but the Lakers and the Suns fundamentally here, right? We look and we watch the game and we go like, man, this Lakers team's terrible. Like, what are they doing? Blah, blah, blah. Second half, they turn it up, right? The defensive intensity was really impressive. I think from a matchup standpoint, right, we've heard like the size of the Lakers versus the lack thereof against Phoenix. Could Phoenix win this game? Sure. But I want to sort of kind of coin a phrase here, right? And it's like the, the, the swath of, uh, results right like you know like there's a bunch of different ways that this can go but when we're talking about phoenix being a three-point favorite you know do do the sort of work on your own like how often do you think phoenix wins this game how often do you think that lakers win this game how often do you think this comes down to the last bucket how often do you think that you know phoenix wins this game by more than three and then compare that price to the market price because if you think that the lakers win this game more than 50 percent of the time if you think the lakers win this game 50 percent of the time then you got to bet the lakers here getting the three points right like it's sometimes it's kind of just that simple when it comes down to this stuff the lakers minus 167 i think is actually an interesting series price again fundamentally is this the best it's going to get when it comes to betting on the lakers yes if it is the only bet that you're going to make against the lakers it means they lost and okay you lost you know 1.67 for example on this series price because the lakers got knocked out in the first round lebron james got knocked out in the first round okay, like I will suffer that 1.67 unit loss in order to get what I think is still some really good value on a team that, by the way, you know, they're minus 167 to win this series, but they're still like plus 200. Their odds have improved to win the West, right? So they're plus 200 to win three series, but they're only minus 167 to win a series. That being said, I'd leave a little just in case, you know, Phoenix does win this first game because from a market standpoint, they are favored to win the game. They are more probable to win the game than the Lakers are, at least according to the market, which is getting bet into whether you, again, whether you agree with that or not, like that's still the situation, right? That's facts, as they say. So maybe save a little because we could come in on the Lakers after they lose game one, even if they lost game two, like that's not the craziest thing. And you'd be getting obviously an interesting number in that situation. As for the last game, that at least is on the board here, because again, we don't know who that final matchup is going to be here uh, in the West. We don't know whether Utah is going to face Golden State or whether they are going to face Memphis. So the final matchup is the Knicks and the Hawks here. And you know, this pick them game here in New York, probably be a couple point favorites. Uh, the Hawks will be a couple point favorites at home once the scene shifts there. Isn't this feel like kind of an old school NBA series where just the home team is going to win every single game, right? Like Madison Square Garden is going to push the Knicks through in the first two games. Atlanta just being the better team at home, probably relatively close to full building, is going to push them through in the uh, you know games three and four. Probably the same thing for five and six. So what I'm looking to do is I'm looking to grab, from a serious standpoint, the Knicks in seven at plus 400. And whether or not they win that game seven, like, I don't know. But you would, you know, if you're sitting there with that game starting and you've got a game that is a, essentially a pick'em game, we're seeing here game one, minus one, pick'em pick type game, 
you're getting that game at plus 400, there's a lot of different fun stuff that you can do at that point. And maybe the number gets even a little bit inflated because all the home teams won, kind of like we thought, or at least that's certainly how I'm looking to bet this um, as I watch Cam Smith jam one in the water. Um, <laughs> that's how I'm looking to bet it. I'm looking to bet Knicks in the first game. I'm looking to bet the Knicks probably in the second game unless there's a drastic change to their uh, point spread here. But at Knicks minus one, I'm looking to bet that. Um, so again, Nixon seven plus 400 for the series price in that one. So big weekend, follow along at Authentic on Twitter for live PGA golf plays and anything that happens, NHL plays that get built up here uh, from a pricing standpoint in NBA as well. Until Monday, I'll see you at the window.